Amen. Um, as we continue our study on the biblical authority for worship, Lord's Day, this week part nine, um, just because I couldn't finish part eight last week, and then Lord willing, we'll we'll finish up the series uh, next Sunday. The study all came about from from the the flyers that, that were sent in the mail and and. Um, Going down 104 and County Road 64, they, they, they got signs out saying it's Sunday on Thursday. Uh, we're bringing Sunday morning to your Thursday night. And so that's what this study uh, was based on. Uh, do, do they have biblical authority to move the Lord's Day to Sunday? But we went into a deeper study and we, we noticed that a lot of the things that they, they teach and those things that they do in their worship service are not even found in the Word of God, but it's by their own choosing. And so last week we had started on altering the Word of God or worship to Him, and why would those that teach such things do it? And we noticed that most of the time that's money-driven. And then those that are following those teachings, why would they do it? And as we had noticed in the Old Testament, and even Paul gave warning in the New Testament in his epistles that there would become a time when they would not endure sound truth, but would have itching ears, heeding to themselves teachers of lies or fables. And so it's because people want to do things their way. Most of the time it'll be the easy way. But we will also notice that out of those teachings that Jesus said that good works can abound. Even in those that do not know the Father, that good works can abound from, their, from what, they, what they're doing, from the money that they take in, good works can be abound. And so this morning we're going to start off at, in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, that great sermon on the mount, as he's closing that sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 7, he's giving these warnings. But notice in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, and so he's, he's referring to a certain day, that would be the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out many, cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And so they'll lay claim to the good works that they had done, saying that they were doing these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, they did have, from their efforts, good works. Notice $1.2 million went to life-saving medications. And so there are good works. Thousands of the families were blessed at Christmas, and, and they have many volunteers. But notice what, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. And then will I... Profess on the them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so even though there will be in that day, many that will say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things and we did it through your name. Jesus is saying, I never knew you. Depart from me. Friends of God do the, the word of God. In John chapter 15, verse 14, A lot of this lesson this morning is going to kind of parallel with the, the teaching of the true vine. 
And in John chapter 15, verse 14. Henceforth I call you not the servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard, oh, I, I read the wrong verse, but all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Well, verse 14, he says, You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. And so in order to be friends to God, you have to do the commandments. Well, notice what Jesus says in 721. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. In order to do his will, that is, you're, you're doing those things that he has ordained in his word, that starts with salvation. You're no longer an enemy of God. You are a friend of God. You are in the family of God. I had corrected this, but I see it didn't come, come up. Their reward in heaven. Uh, when he says it, I knew not you depart from me that worketh iniquity. Now let me see if I can remember what passage I'm going to. Matthew chapter 25 verse 41 Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the angels and his angels. And so their reward for not knowing God but saying that they knew God, well, they will enter into the place of the devil and his angels. Because the devil is the father of lies. And as we had, had noticed that when you depart from the truth, the only thing that you can go to is lies. Half-truths is still a lie. But their impact, see, it's just not what they're doing in this area. Their impact goes beyond local communities. They are helping to fund the planting of new churches across America. Well, that, back in September of last year, they had a teaching series, the Kuzu. And if you're not familiar with the Kuzu plant, I went and Googled it and put the definition. A Kuzu is an invasive plant as fast growing as Kuzu out-competes everything from native grasses to fully maturing trees by shading them from what? Sunlight. That they need to photosynthesize. Well, their teachings are the kuzu that is choking the true vine and preventing the light of the gospel to shine. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Paul writing to the, the second epistle to the Corinthians. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced that, that hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling what the word of God, what deceitfully. But by manifest, manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In order to become a Christian, the gospel, the true gospel, as Paul is going to deal with in the book of Galatians, he said there is no other gospel. But he says, if a man cometh and preach another gospel than that which you have received, let that man be accursed. Because the power is in the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of salvation to all that believe. To the Jew first and also the Greek. It's the power of God. The power is in the gospel, but if the gospel is being perverted, if the gospel is being um, twisted, well, then that true light of the gospel will never shine on those and they'll never be added to the true vine. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. John chapter 15, verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done on you. And so in order to remain in the vine, you have to uh, have the words of Christ abiding in you. You have to have the teachings of the gospel abiding in you. <clears throat> Their words are not his words. God says that any plant that he has not planted will be uprooted. Matthew chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. This is Jesus speaking. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be, up, shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Money will blind you. Prestige will blind you. And then the sad part is it's not just going to affect you, it's going to affect everyone that follows the teachings of yours. So you may be wondering about the foundation. Where did, they, where did they come from? This is from AL.com. Um, now, the Baptist Affiliated Congregation, located along Alabama 104 in Fairhope, has settled on a new name, Free Circle Church. See, they weren't originally known by that name. When they interviewed the man, he says, we're not looking for a cool name. We never asked a single marketer, Bill said. We wanted God to give us a name. But notice what, how he says it came about. The three-circle phrase got its start as a study series, but morphed into a contender for the church's new name. Now, how did God give them that name? See, I always wondered where the name came from. I, I thought it was like the Methodists. You know, you have the three rings, and they're all three rings. It's the work of the church in Acts 1.8. But ye shall be witnesses on to me in Jerusalem and Judea and on to the othermost part of the earth. So you start out locally, then regionally, and then you go globally. 
That's the work of the church. That's not the name of the church. But notice, when you go and, and you read where we come from, which in August of 2000, several families joined together to begin a new church, right? And then notice, we are firmly committed to living out our name, not his name. Then it goes on to say in their FAQ, we are a multi-generational church with Southern Baptist affiliation. We operate mostly autonomously, but believe in the value of partnering with those whom our beliefs align. I believe at the beginning, they work solely with the Southern Baptists, but once you start making so much money, you don't want to share, so then you become autonomous. Somewhat, mostly autonomous. Well, there's some flaws with that in the scripture. See, they built their church. Jesus said he would build his church in Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, And I say also to thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevent against it. The church belongs to him, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. I got that wrong. It's 22 and 23. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's God putting Christ in charge of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullest of him that filleth in all. The church belongs to him because it is his body. He bought it with his blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, when Paul is talking to the Elders of Ephesus, take heed therefore unto yourselves, the elders, and to all the flock, that would be the congregation there in, El in Ephesus, over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. Well, we were talking about it briefly in class this morning, about 1 Corinthians where the division first started in the church, you really see it, it's real prominent that, that people were, were starting to divide the body of Christ. Paul is, is rebuking them there, and he says, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. But notice what he says in verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? See, because Jesus was crucified for the church. Was there anybody crucified for this church? He was if they will repent and turn from these ways and come to the true gospel. And then he says, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Because there was many there that were saying they were of Paul. And so whoever did the baptizing, it looks at, it appears that they would uh, cling to them instead of clinging to Christ. But Paul's very clear. He says, I didn't die for you. Don't say you're of me. Don't give the glory to me. That glory belongs to God. The church is the glory of God. So who should the glory go to? It should go to the Son because he's the one that purchased it. He is the Savior of his body. Ephesians chapter 5, 
verses 23 and 25. Notice the relationship that's described here. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it because the church is the bride of Christ. But notice that Christ... When he died on the cross, he gave himself for the church. That's why when we were reading in Isaiah chapter 53, and he says it was shed for many. When he does the Lord's Supper, and he says this is the blood of the New Testament shed for many. Because there's many that's going to reject the teachings of Christ, and they're never going to hear the true gospel being proclaimed, and they're never going to follow his way. John chapter 14, verse 6. The church bears a name given by God, Romans 16, 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. But he sanctified that church. That is an obedient believer of the gospel at baptism. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 26 and 27. That he may sanctify and cleanse it. What's the it? It's the church. With the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. See, because we know at baptism, you are washed for the remission of sins. You are having your sins washed away so that when you're added to the church, Acts 2.47, you are without spot. You are without blemish. John chapter 15, verse 2. John 15, 2. Notice, notice what, what the wording that Jesus says. How they were cleansed. Every branch of me that beareth... Uh, well, it was actually verse 3, but we'll read verse 2 and 3. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Well, that goes just parallel with what we just read. The washing of the word. Through baptism, we are made clean. Then we're added to the Lord's church. Acts 2.47, we're placed in the true vine. We know that it's men that's being put in the true vine. And it's not uh, denominations because he said... As Ben read for us this morning in verse 5, I am the vine, ye men, mankind, are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. And if we're abiding in him, that means that the words of Christ are abiding in us. That means that we are what? Living faithful. Notice verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done on you. But in verse 6, it says, If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And so this man here was already added to the true vine. He obeyed the gospel, but he was not abiding in the Christ because he was not going by the teachings of Christ. So he was unfaithful. To God. And, and at that time, God cut him from that true vine. Divided assemblies 
are not authorized by God. Congregations as a whole are to meet in one place. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 20 through 22. Now they were, they were um, perverting the Lord's Supper. They were mixing common meal with, with worship service. But notice what he says in verse 20. He says, Now ye come, when ye come together, therefore into one place, whole churches get this is not eat well they were not doing it to eat just the Lord's Supper for in eating everyone taketh before other his own supper and one is hungry and another is drunk what have you not houses to eat and drink in or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not what shall I say to you shall I praise you in this I praise you not and so uh, they were even taken to another extent they were seeing that they had brethren in need they weren't sharing their food but the main thing is is he's saying the common meal is not to be uh, he's saying you eat that at your house now there it would be okay for us to come and have a, a common meal after the worship service together but they were mixing a common meal with the worship service notice in verse 14 uh, chapter 14 verse 23 Again, we're going to see the, if therefore the whole church, that would be the congregation, be come together into one place, and now in the text it's talking about spiritual gifts, and all speak with tongues, and they're coming those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? But again, we're seeing the emphasis that the one, that the whole congregation, the whole church there in Corinth was to come together in one place. In chapter 5, he says, when you all come together, put out that man of sin. Online worship is not an acceptable worship to God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. I, I think I had that wrong. Let's try chapter 10. Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verses 25 and 26. Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. For if we sin simply, uh, if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice of sins. And so uh, they were here, there was some that was forsaking the assembling. Well, you had the destruction of Jerusalem coming. They needed the uh, love. Notice in verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke on the love and the good works. They were needing to be edified to get ready for what was about to take place in Jerusalem. Uh, they were supposed to hold on to the profession of our faith without wavering. Verse 23. Why? Why? Because verse 22 it says we have had our um, we have full assurance true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's because we obeyed the gospel and we should be living faithful to God. We should be edifying. We should be loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the only way to really truly do that is if we all come together in one place. 
That's the design. God intended us all to come together to uplift so that we can go into the world and be strong. That word assembling there from Strong's accordance says it's a Christian meeting for worship. PM services are offered for those who are unable to attend to offer up worship to God on the authorized day, that is Sunday the Lord's Day. When the saints assemble to worship, if we can be here, then we should be here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30. It says, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, carry one for another. And so that tells me that if perhaps even in that day and time, if there was some that had missed when the Lord's Supper was given earlier, then they were to carry, wait for the, those to receive the Lord's communion. And so, again, we don't do uh, PM communion in a separate room. We don't tell them to come early before services. We carry one for another as they're remembering the death of our Savior. We made reference to this several weeks ago, but in the Old Testament, if they were unable to partake the Passover due to being unclean or out of town, they were to keep the, keep the Passover on the 14th of the second month. Remember, God's word said to keep it on the 14th of the first month. The day didn't change. Um, God still wanted it done on his day that he had proclaimed, and that would be the 14th day. And I'll go and, and quickly read that. And that, that would be found in Numbers uh, chapter 9. And so we can't change the worship day to some other day of the week. God says for us to come together on the Lord's day. But nine, uh, Numbers 9 verses 10 through 13. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reasons of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, Yet he shall keep Passover unto the Lord. The fourteenth day of the second month at even they shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbeareth to keep the Passover, even that same soul shall be cut off from among his people because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season. That man shall bear his sin. And so that kind of ties back in. If we can be here, we should be here because it's very important for God that we are all assembling together on the Lord's day. But notice the ex extra efforts that were made for all present to hear at one time. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And so he saw the multitude of people, and he says, If I stay on the ground, all these that are in attendance will not hear me. And so he went to a higher uh, elevation so that he could be seen, so that he could uh, deliver the sermon on the mount. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. 
The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things. Well, why did he go in the ship? You don't really see it here. But go to Mark's account. Mark chapter 4. Morning two. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many terrible and said unto them in his doctrine. I didn't get where I was looking for. Maybe it's Luke. One of them tells you why he went he went into the ship. But we notice that he was there to teach doctrine. He was there to teach doctrine. There was many there. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and talked to people out of the ship. And so he wanted to be out into the sea so that the multitudes that were gathered on the seashore would be able to see Christ. And that they would be able to hear him proclaim the word of God, his doctrine. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 and 19. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of law sitting by which were came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought a man, a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And so here we can see that great efforts was taken so that this man could come in the presence of Jesus. Now they were wanting him to be healed physically. But we should be fighting our way in any time that the saints come together so that we can be spiritually uh whether it be if we're in a, taken in a fault, we can be spiritually healed by having prayer said on our behalf. Perhaps we have never obeyed the gospel and we need that cleansing for the first time. But there was great efforts. A lot of this is, is traveling because they don't have enough money. Well, they had millions of dollars to build a bigger building. We saw they had a two-year plan last week where they took in $16 million dollars. They take in millions and millions of dollars each year. But they're not worried about what's pleasing to God. See, they're going to make it easy on you. They don't want you to be missing services. They don't want you to be missing the collection plate. So we'll let you come on Thursday night. It'll be okay with God if you come on Thursday. But God has told us to meet on the Lord's Day. As we were talking in our Bible study, uh, I don't want to sound unloving or unkind, but there's a following in our area, and they're about to open a new campus um, here in Robertsdale. Now, when they were known, they used to be known as Coates. That was church on the eastern shore, and I, I probably had it in there, and I just I went through it too fast. 
But they had a, a congregation somewhere else. And they said, well, that name doesn't fit us because we have another branch in another location. So that name, and that's why they came up with a new name. Well, see, their branches of that kazoo line. God, we, man is a branch. Just as uh, the Bible says, uh, we're built up that spiritual house. When we're added to the church, we are that spiritual block being placed on the existing blocks. So everyone that obeys the gospel, another brick gets added. And that house gets bigger and bigger. As Daniel was told that that kingdom would eventually span and cover the whole world. And so, um, again, they have their branches, but God has his branches. The branches being those that have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and those that remain faithful to him. It starts by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17 said, In faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing you might have life through his name. When you see that your ways are contrary to God's way, that relieves one to repentance. Jesus said twice in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And so repentance is necessary. As we've been studying the book of Acts, we see that time and time again that repentance is being preached to the people. And then you must confess him before men, just as we had read that great example this morning in Acts chapter 8, verse 37, that we meet in the unit, when he said, Here is water, what this hindered me to be baptized. And Philip said, If you believe it with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in water, that is, a burial that takes place, and have your sins washed away, Acts 22, 16, at which time you're added to the Lord's church, Acts 2, 47, you're placed in the true line, uh, John 15, verse 1 and 3, because you are cleansed by his words, his teachings, because you obey his, his gospel and not man's gospel. And then you must live faithful until the end, as we had read again in the true line. If we do not abide in him, the only way to abide in him is if the words abide in us. If we don't live faithful to him, uh, then we will perish. But if we live faithful to the end, he has promised to give us that crown of life, Revelation 2.10. And then, uh, but God is so loving, and he knows that man is weak, that he has allowed those that maybe have... Uh, went back into the world that you can be restored into the vine you can be restored in that cleansing blood that, that removes future sins that's uh, John chapter 1 verse 7 if you will be restored have uh, prayer said on your behalf if we can help you in either instance if you'll come to the front together we sing the same song of encouragement